Hello, welcome to the Healthy for Men podumentary series. My name's Tom Rowley. I'm the editor of Healthy for Men magazine. Before we get going, just a quick partnership announcement. This episode is brought to you by Bounce Foods. Now, Bounce's mission is to inspire positive change in the way people eat, think, and live, which is what the Healthy for Men podumentary series is all about. If you haven't tried Bounce Balls before, they're full of high-quality protein, high-quality vitamins and minerals, and they're great for when you're on the go and you need a quick snack. There's also a vegan option called V-Life, which are made from almonds and plant protein. Super tasty, super convenient. Grab a Bounce Ball from any Holland and Barrett store throughout the UK or visit bouncefoods.com for more information. Hello, thank you for downloading this bonus episode of the Healthy for Men podumentary series. In this episode, we speak to nutritional consultant Drew Price about the history of protein supplements. What are protein supplements? Are they good for you? And how have they overtaken the nutrition market? If you like this content and you'd like to learn more about it, don't forget to pick up your copy of Healthy for Men magazine in any Holland and Barrett store throughout the UK for just $1.99. On this issue of the Healthy for Men magazine, we have Jason Statham on our cover. Jason talks about his experience as an Olympic diver, his influences and his new movie, The Meg, which is coming out later this year. We also uncover some of the myths of nutrition. What is the best diet for you? Should you be going low calorie, low carb or low fat? Find out this and much more in this issue of Healthy for Men out now. Also, episode two of the Healthy for Men podumentary series is coming soon. In this episode, we explore vegan nutrition. What is the truth about a plant-based diet? Is it really good for you? And can you get everything you need from plants alone? I hope you enjoy the history of protein supplements with Drew Price. Okay, uh, Drew Price, thank you so much for coming on to the Healthy For Men podcast. Um, you're a regular contributor to our magazine. Uh, you also write for uh, Men's Health as well and, and Men's Fitness. As yeah, well. I've, I've written for a bunch of the kind of magazines. So uh, Runs World, Men's Running, Men's Health, Men's Fitness. You get about, don't you? Yeah, so I, like many nutritionists, I do a variety of things. Um, I've worked in the kind of high performance uh, realm, you know, in premiership of football and rugby. I've worked in sports supplement, well, worked, consulted for sports supplement manufacturers. Um, I And now I'm kind of pursuing doctoral studies in, um, you know, looking at whey protein and health. So it's fair to say you've got a very um, broad view of, of the uh, protein nutritional industry, haven't you? Because you've yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it, it. You know, there's there's many facets to it. Um, you know, it, there's a basic nutrition thing. There's a basic nutrition element. You know, everyone's got to have protein. But then, you know, you look at kind of the high protein lifestyle. It's very much a lifestyle um, kind of product now. So, and then obviously there's the environmental aspects of protein. Um, it can be, you know, quite um, quite a kind of uh, heavily consuming um, macronutrient. It's kind of produce, you know, if you're going kind of via the kind of roots of animals, that type of thing. So yeah, it can be, um, it can be quite tough on the environment. So there's, there's that it's, it's everything. Yeah. So today we're going to speak about, um, the history of protein, uh, protein supplements, really, what is protein? What is it made up of? Um, how is the common, the kind of modern, uh, the 
perception of, of protein, how people see it and what people think it is. Because I find that a lot of people, the way they talk about it, especially um, perhaps people that aren't athletes, um, it's kind of spoken about as, as a drug more so than, than, than a macronutrient, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Akin to, to steroids. So you're taking your protein. Yeah. You know. And nutrients are complex things. So, you know, they do, um, they, you know, uh, you can see them on one level as... Um, Building blocks, you know, uh, like you'd have bricks and mortar for a house or a wall, you know. Um, but then actually they can be more than that. They can be signals. Um, so probably best to start at the beginning with with protein, um, you know, start the basics. Proteins uh, are, you know, there's, there's, you know, a huge variety of different proteins and protein sources out there, you know, Common high-protein foods are things like meat, fish, eggs, um, those types of things. And on the vegan side of things or the plant-based eating side of things, you've got things like legumes, soy, uh, lentils, that type of thing. And also, you know, nuts and some seeds are kind of, you know, decent sources of protein. Are they inferior to meat? Well, uh, we'll probably jump in the gun a little bit here because <laughs> sure. um, what proteins are, are they're a macronutrient, which all that means is macro. You've got to have it, a lot of it, macro, big. You know, that's the meaning of the word, you know, um, prefix macro. Um, so, you know, you've got to have a, a decent amount of them, you know, gram quantities every day, you know, um, actually several tens of grams, yeah. Um, so uh, it's a macronutrient like carbohydrate, like fat, um, like fiber, you know, it's stuff that you have to eat a lot of. And there's a huge range of different types of proteins and sources, as I say, that proteins are kind of big structures that are built out of things called amino acids. So the best analogy that I can come up with is, um, uh, Lego bricks. So there is, um, in proteins, in found in nature, you know, the kind of ones we eat in our diet, there's 20 different types of amino acid. And um, you have to consume nine of them. So there's nine essential ones. Uh, essential means you can't make it in your body. Uh, but there's 20 we typically consume. Um, so you've got nine essential ones. The other 11, your body can convert some of the nine that are essential, it can convert it in the body into the other flavors, as it were, of amino acids. The other clever your body, isn't it? Well, you know, it's it's taken a long time to get here. You know, uh -huh. it's uh, it's gone through several, I don't know, trillions of iterations. You uh -huh. know, of you know, just tinkering with the biochemistry, and and yeah, and you know, it's one of those things that you see. Um, a lot in nutrition that the, the body can get around stuff, you know, if you're not eating enough, you know, vitamin C, then the body gets better at retaining vitamin C. So one of the things it does is it manufactures the other amino acids it needs, those 11, and they're called non-essential because you can make them, it manufactures them out of some of the nine essential. So you've got to have those nine essential ones. Does that mean that if someone hasn't been having many essential amino acids, uh, that their body will be better at processing other amino acids. So um, generally what you find in the body is if you, um, if, you know, if you're not getting a nutrient um, that you need, um, 
if it's an essential nutrient, you've got a problem. What it'll do, it'll try everything it can to retain it. And it'll recycle, in the case of amino acids, it will recycle amino acids from kind of knackered bits of the cell. You know, bits of the cell that aren't working so well, it'll break it down and recycle those amino acids. For the non-essential stuff, what it does is it just, it either gets better at converting it or, you know, retaining it. So yeah, the body will kind of upregulate things, but with those essential amino acids, if you don't have them, you're stuck. And this is where we get onto protein quality. Right. Okay. So protein quality is, uh, the food you're eating Mm. and we'll just go, we'll, we'll leave diet alone because that's the kind of total of all the foods you eat. But like if you're eating a protein food, say a soybean, has it got all those essential amino acids? Yeah. And so those nine, well, it's a bit deficient in a couple. Yeah. And actually in vegan diets, often you get problems with, um, you know, methionine is one. Methionine is an amino acid. And um, it's kind of hard to find in some people's vegan diets. Um, So, you know, protein quality, if you're eating plant-based foods, is a real key issue. Because something like meat, fish and eggs... They're complete proteins. They've got all 20 amino acids and they've got loads of them, you know? They've got the sen- the essential, they've got the non-essential and they've got them in, you know, in good, decent quantities. Plant-based foods, not so much. And it's because plants, A, aren't as complex. Uh, you know, that's a bit of a fudge, but, you know, it, it, to some extent, it's because they're not as complex organisms, but also... Um, you know, they've got a problem. They, they can't run away uh, and they don't want to be eaten. So there's always a drive to make yourself as less nutritious. I see that. Less totally attractive. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, they'll either cover themselves in spikes or, you know, they'll have kind of like poisonous compounds in there or they'll just not be very useful to eat. Yeah. So we, you know, if we, we weren't at the top of the food chain, we'd be screwed because we're, we taste like bacon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, so what you've got, you know, kind of, kind of going from the, the bottom up, um, you've got proteins, they come in lots of different forms and they're kind of built out of them. They're built out of these amino acids. Some are essential, some are not. They're all slightly different shapes and different proteins are going to have different amounts of the different amino acids. Um, again, it's analogous to Lego, you know? If you want a Lego to build a Lego Millennium Falcon, uh, you've got to have a, a, quite a few different shapes of Lego blocks. And that Millennium Falcon is Is the protein, yeah. So to build a complex protein, you've got to have um, quite a few different types of, you know, amino acids in there. Yeah, I see, okay. So let's talk about the history of, of these protein products and, and yeah. where they've come from. So as I understand, protein uh, as a product was at the 50s, where, around when bodybuilding was kind of a, a sub, a very small subculture. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't whey, is that right? It was a different kind of product. Well, there's been, there's been a number of them, um, but we can go back even further. Um, so uh, whey and proteins and things like that, they've all been used um, since, you know, for millennia. Um, you've got kind of uh, examples of, what, for example, with whey and casein, you've got examples of cheese making that are thousands and thousands of years old, yeah. But it's been known for thousands of years that a high-protein diet does 
um, you know, does good things for athletes. Um, it was uh, Galen, um, who's kind of the father of medicine, as it were, thousands of years ago, who kind of was starting to use whey with people. Um, and that's whey as in the stuff that comes from cheese making, like the raw whey, which is a combination of whey protein, but also there's a bit of fat. Little Miss Muffet. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So they've been using that, um, you know, for thousands of years. You've got the kind of high protein diets introduced for athletes way back in the day, you know, um, you know, in ancient times. Um, you've got to remember the modern stuff. We know protein exists. Protein really was only classified, you know, as a, as a nutrient in, in like 1838, yeah. So nutrition science is relatively young science, yeah. So um, it was only kind of characterised back then, you know. So once you've identified it, well, I mean, you have to identify it before you can kind of isolate it, see what it does, and then market it to people. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So... Um, Eugene Sandow, he was a famous 19th century bodybuilder. He was using protein products, but they they won't look like the things you'd buy in a shop today. They were, were, they, they, were they whey products? Were yeah, they? whey and, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, they might have been kind of like kind of more kind of higher protein cheeses and things like that, but they were more like foods that you'd be more familiar with. Okay. But yeah, you're right. In the 50s, uh, well, the first product that I know of, um, it was a soy-based product. Um, it was Bob Hoffman. Um, he started marketing this to bodybuilders. And soy, again, in terms of a plant protein, pretty good quality in terms of a plant, plant protein, but compared to things like whey, casein, beef, eggs, not so good. Incomplete as far as amino acids go. Yeah. But that's yeah. very interesting that uh, the first kind of commercial product was uh, a vegan uh, protein. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, things come around. But um, it, it's one of those things that you, you know, you, you market what you can get. And um, I think at that time, kind of defatted soy was kind of, you know, easy to work with. Soy, you know, it's, I mean, we can get onto this in a bit, but soy uh, is not super high quality, super complete protein in terms of what amino acids has got in it. But it will, if you consume soy, add to your daily intake of protein, mm. which is kind of what counts. Um, so then after that, you got the 60s. Um, casein proteins started coming through. Casein is one of the two classes of protein you'd find in dairy. And the other is obviously whey protein. So casein actually makes up 80% of the protein in oh, milk. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought that casein was, was a kind of whey, but uh, so it's not actually whey. It's um, just a milk product, basically. Yes. So it's, yeah, it's totally different. Again, that little Miss Muffet nursery rhyme, eating her curds and whey. Curds is the thing that you generally find in cheese. Um, sorry. Curds is the... Casein is the thing that you generally find in the curds and the curds are what you make cheese out of. So right, it's the more okay. solid element of, of um, milk when you, um, when you make it into cheese. So um, the whey is generally found in solution in the liquid mm. and the, the casein um, kind of forms a gel or forms lumps. 
which is actually interesting because that's one of the ways it may work differently in the body for people when they take it. So um, that was casing. That was in the 60s. Um, you know, obviously there's loads of products that were coming out, but these are kind of this is kind of the highlight reel, as it were. Um, in the 70s, you've got um, companies coming through that you'd see today, actually, on the shelves. Um, so, uh, you know, you've got kind of blended proteins like milk and egg protein. Um, so a milk and egg protein will have whey, it will have casein, and it will have obviously egg protein as well. So you've got those two types of proteins from the dairy, and then you've got your egg. And then uh, the big brands. In the 70s, you've got kind of multi-power, which was Europe's you know, number one mm -hmm. for a very, very long time. Big in Holland and Barrett's as well. Big in Holland and Barrett's, and um, a company I used to be the nutritionist for. Oh, really? Yes. So, um, you know, and actually in, it was interesting, you know, when I started going to the gym back, way back in time in the 90s, you know, you, I Multipower was the first product I used and it was very hard to mix. And now, you know, things have come on and they're just so, you know, these, these, these proteins are so easy to shake and Very mix. Very easily, yeah. You needed a cement mixer to use some of the stuff in the 70s uh -huh. and 80s and that type of thing. So, Is that the refining process that they've just developed? Or yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just how they're bringing the product together right. in so much as what ends up going into the tub in terms of the size of um, the kind of granule and, you know, how they filtered the protein, how they've separated it from the, the other elements in there. Um, this is all improved. So um, in the 80s, you've got kind of metrics coming through, which was the big hitter American company um, for a very, very long time. And way started coming to the fore. And then, um, you know, you've got the the kind of rise of the um, meal replacement powder, MRP, uh, which was huge in the 90s. Um, body so what was that? What was that made of? So it's a combination of proteins and a bit of carbohydrate and vitamins and minerals. So it's, it's similar to what you would buy today? Yeah, yeah. And they were kind of, they were these things that came in sachets. Mm. Each serving came in a sachet. And, um, you know, it was it was huge. It was when bodybuilding really took off in terms of kind of like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was, and Sly Stallone were the kind of heroes you'd see on, um, on the big screen. And, um, you know, people wanted to get bigger, you know? And so... What you've got is slowly over the kind of 50 years, you've got the products changing in terms of the protein choices and the range of proteins they're using. And also, um, you know, the delivery method and how easy they are to use, you know, kind of evolves over that time and the popularity of the protein. So was this really marketed for that sub uh, genre of, of athletes, the bodybuilder? It wasn't really a lifestyle product like it is very much today. Protein's been incredibly niche up until recently. See, you know, um, these protein products. Uh, you know, when I started taking them back in the nineties, people thought, you know, people said, oh, "I can't believe you're using those." You know, there's, they're full of steroids and things like that. Yeah, exactly. um, you know, and to, to be honest. It, it, well, there were some dodgy products out there. You know, it was a bit Wild West at the beginning. Of Not, course. Yeah. But steroids are expensive to manufacture. 
you know, uh, they're not going to put them in a protein powder that they're already kind of not making a huge amount of money on anyway. Um, so, you know, it's, it's it doesn't really make sense economically. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, there were a few sore kind of... But that still is the stigma today, isn't it? Um, I, I find, I mean, I, I'm where I work at... Uh, River, uh, our publishing house, our content agency. Um, I'm constantly offering people protein shakes and protein snacks, and I'm known as the protein pusher. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's very much. Uh, I find the attitude towards it is it's kind of looked looked down upon as as a drug. But um, as you say, it's a it, you know incredibly essential building block. Yeah, uh, to, yeah. to anyone's nu- nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know the picture's changing now. It's it's. It's more common to see someone walking around with a protein shaker, you know. Um, And people are understanding more about nutrition. They're understanding that protein is an important part of their diet and Mm. that possibly there's advantages to getting more protein. Um, You know, but uh, you can't have it both ways. You can't take the mick out of somebody using a protein powder and then walk into a supermarket and see all the adverts for the kind of high protein foods and a rich source of protein, things like that, and then and then go and grab those. Protein powders are food, mm-hmm. you know. Um, people say they're just, you know, they're just kind of this kind of um, product of a factory that is just non-nutritious. Well, mm. it's it's total rubbish and they, yeah. they are food. Absolutely, I mean, look, look at athletes. I mean, most athletes, I mean, especially bodybuilders, they take protein supplements. Uh, runners have protein after they uh, do a big sprint or, uh, or whatever. It's, it's to heal your muscles and, and, it, and it works. It's proven to... Yeah, yeah. The, the data on recovery is, is pretty clear. Um, you can, uh, you know, you can answer your protein needs using whole foods. Um, however, the big advantage of protein products is they make protein easy to get. So protein, if you think of protein foods, you generally have to cook them and keep them cold and you have to chew them. Yeah. Well, um, if I want say 50 grams of protein, that's a, uh, that's, let's see, kind of like a 250 gram, 300 gram steak. Yeah. Or, it's a couple of scoops of protein powder that I just shake up with 400 mils of water and it's gone in a few gulps. That's the advantage. There are other advantages, you know, fast digesting proteins, that type of thing. Um, but one of the main ones is just usability. This kind of brings us on to a common myth that I uh, am confronted with by uh, people who are, are taking protein shakes. Um, how much protein can your body digest uh, in one sitting, how much protein should I look for in my protein shake? Yeah, it's a it's a really common question, and actually it goes back to that kind of um, that potted history we went through. So uh, back in the eighties, um, there was uh, quite a big um, push to uh, you know exploit as much as possible the protein market. And it was still small. Like the amount of people who were going to buy the protein off you was still pretty small then. So there was a lot, it was like the Wild West, you know, people kind of coming out with claims and counterclaims and things like that. And so you had one product where, you know, they said, well, there's 20 grams of protein in this, you know, that's, you know, a decent wallop of protein. Um, 
you know, it's a great product. And then someone comes along and says, well, there's 30 grams of protein in our product. It's an arms yeah. race. Yeah. And all they've done is just make the scoop bigger or the serving size bigger or whatever. And um, then someone comes along and says, well, there's 41 grams of protein in our product. And the person with the 30 gram, the company with the 30 gram product says, well, ah, you can't absorb more than 30 grams in one sitting anyway. <laughs> so it's pointless. You're just spending more money on a product that won't work uh-huh. better. And actually, you still hear that. I've, I've sat in meetings with the head of nutrition of like gym chains who said that to me. And you're like, well, actually, <laughs> there's no research to back that up. Okay, yeah. You have, um, y- you know, you have an incredible, incredible capacity to break down and absorb protein. So there's the questions in two parts, like how much protein can I absorb and how much can I use? And they're, they're slightly different questions. I see, okay. So one is how much protein can I, you know, digest and absorb? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to be honest, um, it's it's a pretty high number. Um, the slower digesting the protein, so things like kind of meat um, and casein, you know, that, that, um, that protein from milk that turns into curds. Well, that's slow digesting protein. And that's why you, you, they recommend you have it at night. At night. Yeah. And slow digesting proteins, basically what you've got is your body's got kind of more of a chance to kind of get to work on it and, uh, and absorb, um, digest and absorb the protein. So actually, you know, there's, there's actually, um, research showing like some indigenous peoples, they'll eat like a kilo of meat in one go. You know, it's insane, the amount of protein they're eating, but it's slow digesting. Whey protein, you've got less of a chance. It's, it moves quickly through the, through the gut, you know. So in theory, you've got a bit less of a chance to absorb and digest and absorb it. But even so, your body is going to, you know, digest and absorb that. And it's, it's you know, beyond any practical um, amount. So, you know, so you can take 50 grams of protein, 60 grams of protein, you're going to get... The, you know, you're going to get what you that need. protein into yeah. your body. Are you going to use it? Mm-hmm. Well, you're probably not going to use all of that. You if know. I've just done the rocks workout in the morning, yeah, you know, I've done a thousand reps on, you know, 12 different uh, movements, uh, would that 50 grams of protein that I'm having in my shake, would I use most of that? So what's going to happen is you're, you're going to, um, you're definitely going to have a kind of upregulated turnover of proteins in the body and all those kind of systems in the cells that absorb protein from the blood and say, look, you know, kind of, we need to get protein in it. They're definitely going to be upregulated. It's impossible to kind of know how much that is. Uh, in kind of each individual. But am I more likely to... But you're more, you're going to, you know, you're more likely to use more of it. Yeah. Right. The the way protein works is you have to step back and look at the big picture. So it's not so much, um, you know, we used to talk about kind of like um, post-workout window and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, the evidence is pushing that into the background now. It's more about the big picture how much protein are you getting through your week? Yeah. Um, so are you, you know, are you getting a decent amount of protein each day, every day of the week? Yeah. And, um, you know, that may be kind of like for an athlete anywhere between kind of 1.4 or 1.6 
grams of protein per kilo up to two or 2.2 or sometimes even higher. So if you think about an 80 kilo male, you know, 160 grams of protein would be, you know, a kind of rough measure to shoot for. But importantly, I don't have to sprint to the locker room and down a shake as soon as I can after a workout. No, absolutely not. The the evidence, you know, at the moment, there's no there's no evidence that really is that's, that's conclusively saying, you know, if you don't do that, you're missing out. Because mm, that's um, cardio that I didn't want to do. Well, exactly. I'm, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it's it's about keeping things simple as well. You know, don't sweat like the small stuff. Don't don't worry about like, oh my god, I had my post workout protein shake five minutes too late and stuff like. It doesn't matter. Just just be consistent. Um, you know, if you eat five meals a day, and um, you want to get um, you know two hundred grams of protein a day, and you eat five meals a day, then you know have. Uh, 40 grams of protein per meal. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah. Good math. So, um, but if you eat three, then you just bump it up. If you eat six meals a day, then you can make it smaller, you know, that, that protein quant- content per meal. But just just get it and just, you know, it, just make it work with how your day works. That's nice to hear because it's quite simple really, isn't it? It's about having that routine of yeah. breaking that 200. If you need 200 grams, if you need 100 grams, if you're, you know, whatever you're, Trying to increase your sports performance, break that down into you know three thirty-five gram protein meals a day or whatever. Yeah, it's it's what works for you. If if you keep forcing yourself to have six meals a day and it's just making your life miserable, and also you're missing them, uh, you're missing out on meals because you you know you're having problems you know scheduling them or you know actually get around to eating them. Um, well, then go down to four and just make the meals bigger. You know, it's that simple. I, it's one of the things I tell a lot of people, having seen it close up the difference between um what the kind of elite athlete is doing and what the person in the street is doing is it's not they're not using usually they're not using kind of some crazy medical intervention or you know highly highly kind of you know very expensive protein products or kind of highly tailored protein products they they're usually just being consistent you know, and just build consistency into your day. Think it, sit down, give it five minutes, think about what's going to work for you and it'll just make every day easier. And when I speak to any specialist like yourself, uh, the message I always get, the strongest thing I think I, I hear is remember that it's tailored to you. Nutrition is always about tailoring it to your needs and people want these easy step plans, you know, these six step plans or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it's just not going to work if your goals are, are quite specific. Yeah, and I would say with the tailoring, actually, it's the 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 kind of in air quotes, you know, kind of like tailoring it to you is really actually more of a um, a doability and timing thing. So you want to pick foods that you like to eat, you know, and. Um, no matter how high quality the protein is in eggs, if I'm vegan, you know, then I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about eating eggs. Yeah. You've got to tailor it to your food choices and then explore what those food, what's best for you in terms of those food choices. Absolutely. You've got to tailor the timing to your needs. You know, do I want to eat three times a day or six times a day? It's those types of things. Um, and, and then, yeah, you, you dial in roughly what you need. So you start off with a kind of, um, well, we're talking about protein here. So you'd start off with a kind of ballpark figure, 80 kilos. I'll go for 160 grams of protein uh, a day. Um, 
and then you just you just dial it in but you 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 can't dial it in if you're not consistent because you don't know which way it's going you know if you're if you're getting the result you think you're going to get mm-hmm. so just be consistent so back to amino acids i think this is something that people get quite quite confused about because you know it's complicated we've just got our head around protein and all of a sudden we're having to break that down again into these like you say, these Lego blocks that make up the the Millennium Falcon. Is there a way of making sure that you get all of those amino acids uh, without taking protein shakes and without taking supplements? Absolutely, yeah. They are in your diet. People who eat, uh, you know, omnivores, if you're eating meat and dairy, then it's really not too much of a pain. Uh, you just got to eat, you know, meat, fish, eggs, dairy, all those things are complete high quality proteins. If you're eating a plant-based diet, you've got to sit down and have a little bit more of a think. You want to go for kind of the high protein foods um, because there's two op- there's two issues. There's quality and there's quantity. So you want to go for the high protein foods and those are foods that give you a decent amount of protein with not a lot, well, with fewer calories from things like fat and carbohydrate. Yeah. So, uh, you know, legumes um, are the major one. Um, so lentils, peas, beans, that type of thing. And um, are they difficult to digest? The sort of phytonutrients in things like legumes? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, in legumes, there's a huge amount of fiber, um, which is actually a great thing, you know, feeds the gut, feeds all those bacteria in the gut. But you're eating a lot of fiber in relation to uh, the amount of protein. So if you want to get a decent amount of protein on board, then you're going to eat a a lot of fiber. So it's a challenge there. And you do have to give yourself some time to get used to it. Um, But they're not uh, peas and beans and that type of thing. They generally aren't complete proteins. You know, they're, they're, they're better than a lot of other plant proteins, but, and then, uh, you know, they're not, they're not complete in that way. So what you want to do is start kind of looking at kind of other sources of, of proteins or just, um, using foods in, in concert in your diet together. So, one of the things that's uh, often mentioned is, you know, you eat grains and legumes together. Um, and actually, you know, we may have only discovered kind of protein as a, as a compound in 1838, but traditional foods, uh, tr- you know, we knew this, as it were, beforehand. So you've got rice and peas or uh, rice and dal, which is lentils, you know, um, and loads of other um, examples of where they're eating grains and legumes in their diet, because what they do is they complement each other. Those amino acid, um, the content of the amino acids complement each other. So you're missing some things from the legumes, but it's there a bit in the in the grains. Grains, right. So um, basically, eat a variety of foods, and you want to seek out the more high protein ones and push those higher up a little bit in the mix if you're looking to get more protein. So those those are the lentils and so on. And there's lots of products on the market as well now, like, you know, kind of uh, vegan corn um, is now has a vegan range. So corn is a protein from, uh, you know, relative to the mushroom. Um, and it's just textured protein 
they used to put egg white in it, or they do in I some projects say, still. So the, the ones, uh, the, the big brands, um, corn, uh, people, I think people were eating it thinking that it was, it was vegan for- Yeah, well, they do actually have a vegan line that you have to look out for. Right. So, but you know, that's a dense protein. And by dense, I mean, you're getting a lot of protein without a lot of carbohydrate or fat or fiber. So that can help you. And obviously now, um, in contrast to kind of all the, the dairy-based proteins, you know, the whey's and the caseins, there are a range now of uh, vegan, vegetable-based, plant-based proteins on, on the market. So you've got rice protein, pea protein, uh, soy protein obviously has been around for a long, long time as well. Hemp protein. Hemp protein. Yep. Yep. So they're, you know, they're all coming through and they're becoming more popular as well now. And as, uh, I mean, I don't know if you tasted any of the original or the, the early kind of phase of things like pea protein, uh, pretty nasty. I did. Yes. But um, now it's a lot better. I wasn't impressed. Yes. Yeah. But you know, I've tra- I've tasted some fantastic, uh, Fantastic powders from uh, Biosynergy. Yep. Uh, and Pulsin is really great for, yep. for powders and um, uh, Vega as well. Right, yeah. And they, yep. they've got some really fantastic flavours that, because uh, it, it used to taste kind of like a farmyard or something. It's so Chalky, strong. planty. Yeah. Um, and obviously when you're trying to mask that taste as well and it's still coming through, that almost makes it even worse. So... What they are is they're refined protein products. So you get the you get the plant and you take out as much carbohydrate, as much fiber and as much fat as possible. And what you're left with is the protein. Mm-hmm. And that's what, um, you know, you put in the tub and then you scoop out the tub and put in your shake. Now, they fulfill the same kind of niche as whey protein or milk proteins or casein proteins. Yeah, they... Um, they just make it easier for you to kind of raise that protein intake. Um, so number one, it's about convenience and ease and that's, that's the strength of them. So what is creatine? Creatine is not an amino acid or is it amino acid? Creatine is made out of amino acids. So, uh, it's, uh, um, it is an organic compound. It's a carbon based compound. Um, and, uh, so it shares that in common with amino acids, but what it is, is, um, a carrier, if you will, of energy in the cell. So when you do intense work, you use something called ATP and that is the energy currency of the cell. ATP. Yeah. Do we know what that stands for? Denzene triphosphate. Benzene triphosphate. Yeah, so three phosphates. It's it's this molecule with three phosphates stuck to it. That bond that holds the phosphate onto the kind of core molecule is a high energy bond. Break that bond and you get a lot of energy released. And that energy is what's used by the muscle to contract. Mm-hmm. So you use a lot of ATP, sprinting, lifting weights, doing high intensity stuff. You also use ATP all over the cell and in, in not just in your muscles as well. I mean, all sorts of, well, all, all tissues use ATP. And, um, and why that's useful might, will become clear in a bit. Um, so this ATP, you break that bond of that phosphate and you get ADP and the DP is diphosphate, two phosphates. 
Yeah, it's got two phosphates stuck to it now because one's wandered off, yeah? I see. What creatine does is it hangs around in the cell with phosphate stuck to it. And it goes over to ADP and says, here you go, mate, here's a phosphate. And the ADP now is returned to ATP, yeah? So what it's doing is it's restocking that energy. It's, it's filling the tank again, if you will, you know? And um, obviously that's a gross oversimplification of what happens, yeah? But, sure. But, um, it's so, but it's, my tiny brain is getting a, a, a very <laughs> beautiful image of this little carrier yeah. man that's... Um, yeah, it's just it, hanging around. Just um, hanging around. Is, yeah. is that the only way that we can um, re... Uh, we can double those uh, phosphates. Um, uh, ooh, you're getting to... Well, there are... Uh, Is that um, really... Compl- that's a complex question. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the energy systems of the cell, there, there's, a, there's a few things going on there. Uh, yeah, yeah. But keeping it simple, that's, that's the big picture. Right, yeah. yeah. And also creatine does other things. That, the, the presence of creatine phosphate in the cell, because you... Generally, most products, are creatine products, are creatine monohydrate. You know, um, what does monohydrate mean? So it's just it's just got um, it's kind of it's bound in with water, as it were. I see, it's okay. there's, it's um, it's obviously not a liquid because it comes in a powder form, but it's it's it, it's bound in. Right? I see. So, um, and what you do is you kind of absorb that. And this creatine, um, you you know, you put it in your shake or a drink or whatever. You drink, you absorb the creatine, and then it becomes kind of part of this process. And um, the first thing it does, well, the, one of the first things that happens is is the body kind of like gives it phosphate, you know, it so it becomes creatine phosphate. Um, uh, this phosphocreatine um, is found in all tissues and it does a bunch of other things as well so um, increasing the amount of um, phosphocreatine seems to do things like uh, just on its own kind of upregulate muscle uh, protein synthesis a little bit uh, it does some interesting things with mitochondrial uh, mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell mitochondrial biogenesis um, but creatine is now being looked at as um, a general health food so like before I mentioned that you know creatine does its job all over the body well creatine is being looked at as a nootropic you know uh, a cognitive enhancer it's it's not going to kind of like it's not um, What's the film where he, uh, he... Limitless. Yes. It's not It's not that kind of thing. Um, but what it does is it improves brain health and brain function to a certain extent. But they think long-term taking creatine may improve Will brain health. Will make me like Bradley Cooper from um, Limitless. Unfortunately, maybe not. But, you know, getting there, getting there. Yes, yeah. um, <laughs> so it's going gonna, it's gonna to improve long-term brain health. Yeah. Awesome. So it's, it's cheap. It's, you know, it's relatively inexpensive. Creatine so monohydrate. You, you get it in, in like red meats and... Uh... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so people who... It's a good point, actually. People who eat meat will get more creatine from their diet. Mm-hmm. People who are plant-based eaters, you know, they're going to get a lot less creatine. And actually, they'd probably, they're probably going to get bigger benefits from supplementing. Um, it's, it's a good argument to use when, you know, you're scooping a little scoop of creatine into your shake or whatever and someone says that's steroids. And it's like, well, 
Have you ever eaten a steak? Because it's in there, mm-hmm. you know. It's perfectly natural. It's found in every cell. Um, how, how do they make it? They don't get it from red meat. If the- no, no, they just, um, it's, you know, you just get a big tank and kind of um, um, get bacteria to make it for See, you. Okay. So, you know, it's um, it's it's pretty standard kind of cultured um uh, product, you know, so, um, that side of things, again, it's not, it's not, that's not crazy or wild, you know, mm. that's, we make a lot of foods like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, um, it's a, it's a nootropic, it's a health thing. Obviously for athletes, there's going to be, um, benefits in terms of kind of high intensity training and that type of thing. It isn't a protein, uh, but it works well in concert with proteins. Um, just to spelling a few myths, it isn't a steroid. Um, uh, Biochemically or chemically, it doesn't look like a steroid. If you write it out on a sheet of paper, it doesn't act like a steroid. Uh, it's not; it doesn't bear any kind of relation to a steroid it's in that way. It's definitely not a steroid. It's not a steroid. Um, you don't really have to load it. You know, there's these loading phases that people talk about where they take loads in every day for like three or four weeks, and then they go down to a maintenance dose. Another thing I come across a lot. Yeah, so you don't really have to do that. I mean, supplement companies don't like me. Well, actually, no, there's obviously the straight-up supplement companies, the reptile brands are fine with me, or people like me saying this. Um, less reptile brands want you to do a loading phase because you'll consume more of it, but um, you don't have to mm-hmm. do a loading phase. Three to five grams a day, for most people would be fine. Um, three grams is low, but that's what the European Food Standards Agency kind of like says is, you know, that's how much you should take. I feel liberated because I have been taking, uh, I think I've been taking 12 capsules of a product that I won't mention um, every day, which is mm. a pain in the ass. Yeah. And also capsules are useful um, because you can carry them around mm-hmm. easily. Uh but if you're going to ask me to put a product in a capsule, I'm going to charge you for more for it, you mm-hmm. know? So um, the powder is fine. Creatine monohydrate, the, just the basic creatine powder, is fine. Every few years, uh, another kind of creatine comes out, buffered creatine, uh, crealkaline, that, that, these types of things. Um, creatine ethyl ester. Just Are they go, the same thing? You know, well, they end up as the same thing in in, in the body. Uh, it's just a different delivery method, but creatine monohydrate, it's cheap. It's incredibly safe. It's one of the most studied sports supplements out there. Um, well, it is the most studied sports supplement in terms of safe and it, well, in terms of ergogenics, i.e. These are sports supplements that improve performance. Um, and the verdict is? The verdict is safe. Safe and safe and it works. And it works. So, and it works in all sorts of surprising ways as well. You know, it will help, you know, you lift more weight or your sprint times get faster, but also it may keep your, you know, your brain going better for longer. Bradley Cooper. Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, What I wanted to get into next, I think we've covered the the history of of protein, amino acids, and I, I feel very enlightened now. A lot of my questions have been answered. We touched briefly on the what is essentially the, the naturalist fallacy of um, when we were talking about cultured foods and creating them in, in, in a lab. And I think that is one of the fallacies that um, stops a lot of people from buying certain products. So things like GMOs, for example. Um, do you support GMOs? Do you, would you eat GMO products? We... 
We already eat genetically modified organisms. Every organism out there has been genetically modified. So when uh, a virus, you get a virus, it injects its DNA into your DNA. Nature is swapping genes between species. It's already done it. That's evolution. Yeah, that's that's what it. That's the way it works. So, um, it's the natural world already. It's I'd say, and this is um, kind of a a loaded statement. If you look at people worrying about GMOs, it's always people who have got a lot to eat in and a nice lifestyle in a relatively wealthy country who are worrying about GMOs. So GMO It's never the people who are starving. Is white privilege. It is privilege, yeah. Um, that's not to say whether it's right or wrong, but it puts it in some context. It's genetically modifying an organism is, is, is a big question, is a big, big question. And it's one of the more complex things that we're dealing with in terms of kind of like food chain, um, socioeconomics, um, and all the things connected with it, you know, because it's hard to go back. If you modify something, it's, it's hard and it gets out into kind of like the, you know, environment, it's hard to go back. Um, it's hubris to, un to say that we understand everything about genetics and the natural world. Clearly we don't. Um, a lot of what we're doing in terms of GMO, a lot of kind of what the food industry is doing or the biotechnologists and so on, is pretty low level stuff. You know, they're not, they're not kind of creating chickens with two heads or, you know, four legs for more drumsticks or whatever. It's pretty low level stuff. It's kind of like upregulating the amount of a vitamin that's manufactured in, in a grain or something like that. Um, so it's fairly low level stuff at the moment. It needs to be well regulated and well looked at. And you have to let the scientific process run its course because once money gets involved, it always speeds everything up. You know, you have to let the science take its course because we've got to know what we're doing here. Could it save the world? Uh, I think it's going to take a lot more than that. Um, and here we get onto politics. But, <laughs> but it's a uh, worthy investment, you, you would say. It's definitely going to be part of the solution. Um, plant-based plant -based eating, again, part of the solution. But vegans may, uh, or vegan diets may, you know, um, consume less... Uh, resources, but there's also a lot of problems with them. You've got monocultures, which are kind of like these huge fields with just one plant in them. Well, that's that's a natural desert, as it were, you know, um, biological desert. And it also requires a lot of fertilizer and pesticides, which, if you trace it all back, come from, you know, that's, that is all kind of come through from the oil industry. That's the... Uh, petrochemical industry. So we've got to look for other solutions. Well, my, my personal opinion is that this, the problem is, um, you know, seven and a half billion people and rising uh, on a planet with finite space. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, that's my personal opinion. Um, uh, there's no known model that will support us through... Um, through the expansion that we're looking at. I think by 2050, it's like a, um, 10 billion people or something like that. I think the stats were, I, don't, I can't remember. But um, 
there's no known model. We don't know. But you, you try and chip away. You try and make things as efficient as possible. And food wastage, I mean, again, that's another that's another huge element of things. We waste like 25 to 30% of the food um, that we can, well, that we buy in this country. So that would obviously feed mouths. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of other things apart from nutrition in there. Socioeconomics, politics, all these types of things. We won't get into those things now, but um, I think that's a worthwhile conversation to have. Uh, another time, definitely. I would like to hear your uh, opinion on how we save the world. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um, so, so whey protein is the most common form of, of protein that people consume. Uh, it's what people think about when they talk about protein. When people mention protein, they probably think about that more than they do a steak. Uh, that's the sort of common, um, the, the, the common conception of, of protein is whey. So what is whey and what are its benefits? So whey is the, um, again, you go back to making cheese, um, the curds and whey, it's the, it's the kind of the, the watery bit. The curds, when you make whey, uh, sorry, when you make cheese, um, what you do is you kind of acidify milk or, and that separates out the casein and a lot of the fat. Um, and what you're left is kind of this liquid substance that... Um, kind of very thin, opaque. It's a complex food. It's got whey protein in there. Uh, it's also got vitamins and minerals and so on. The whey protein that people see in tubs is whey protein. So it's different to whey. What you do is you get this liquid whey and you separate out the protein. So you get rid of as much fat as possible, as much of the carbohydrate as possible. And most of that carbohydrate is lactose. You get rid of that as much as possible. You get rid of the vitamins and minerals and you just basically, you're separating out this this protein because that's what you're after. And so it's called whey protein concentrate. That's the kind of, um, that's the most kind of an, uh, basic. Now, basic is kind of like a pejorative word, but it's, it's, it's not, I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just the kind of, it's the most basic um, kind of whey protein and the protein content of that can be anywhere from kind of like 50 to 70, 75% protein. Um, now 75% protein, whey protein concentrate products are great and they have their advantages. Um, it's actually personally, if I'm going to consume whey, I'll, I'll just consume whey protein concentrate. I'll go for one that's kind of got a protein content in the 70, 75% region. Um, you know, that's what I'd look at. Um, because after all, I'm looking for the protein. I don't want the carbohydrate and so on. That's easy to, that's easy to eat, you know. Um, so the next kind of level up, as it were, is you get that protein concentrate and you isolate it. And you get protein isolate, whey protein isolate. And you do that by spinning it in through kind of um, filters and so on that basically get rid of more of the other stuff and retain the protein. Yeah. And that, you know, so you're isolating the protein. So that's whey protein isolate. And that, what that does is it bumps up the protein content from, you know, um, the low range would be 70, 70, 70 odd to the high range being 83, 85% protein. So that's obviously a higher protein product, but it's going to be more expensive um, because you're getting more protein with less lactose and other carbohydrates and, and um, you know, less fat and so on. So again, that has a different, uh, you know, different advantage. Uh, you're getting more calories from protein and, you know, well, more of a percentage of calories from protein, less from the other stuff. So if you're kind of going on a very, 
you know, you're, you're looking to get a lot of protein without many calories elsewhere, um, then isolate's going to be the one for you. Um, but, uh, and then there's the next level up, which is hydrolyzed protein, which what you do is you get that isolate and you snip up the proteins using enzymes and you, and it goes through kind of another level of, um, purification as it were. So those enzymes go into the protein. They cleave the protein up. So if you imagine a protein as a, as a long string of, um, of, you know, Lego bricks, you know, let's go back to the analogy. Um, you know, that millennium falcon, as it were, you know, that made out of those Lego bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're doing is you, the enzymes are basically kind of like breaking down the bonds between those bricks. They're breaking the bonds between the different amino acids. And so what you've got is kind of like little separate amino acids or short chains of amino acids. You don't have these big proteins. So they're easier to digest, absorb? They, they go straight, basically, um, the way the body digests proteins in, is in... Um, Peptides, the kind of like little, very, very short chains of amino acids. Peptides, now that's another thing. So um, that's the way it absorbs protein. When you eat a protein, whether it's a steak or fish or milk or what, you know, dairy protein, it'll sit in the gut and your body will use enzymes to cleave these bonds up and snip these proteins up. And that's how it absorbs it. So actually, yeah, you know, you get these, um, they're called hydrolyzed proteins. They're very, very pure. They're quite expensive as well. And they'll be more like 85, 90% protein, very little else in there. Is that a worthwhile investment? Do you think if you're taking your... Um, well, Sports seriously or uh, bodybuilding you, seriously? Yeah, um, they are marketed quite heavily um, by by uh, particular brands in, in uh, particular American brands. Um, the evidence suggests that no, you know, again, you step back, look at the big picture. How am I doing day on day? doesn't matter if I'm getting kind of like a beautifully hydrolyzed protein, you know, um, if I'm not meeting my targets, the big picture daily, then you know, my protein targets, then it doesn't matter. If you're failing, it's unlikely that you're, it's because your protein is a whey isolate and not a hydrolyzed, hydrolyzed protein. Yeah, exactly. So um, actually where these things are used are in um, hospitals, in dietetic kind of um, settings where you've got like, you know, like a burns patient. Burns are incredibly hard on the body. Uh, it really slams up the metabolic rate and also you need a lot of protein. It, it, it increases the need for protein. But at the same time, your body's in a worse position and can't digest so well. That's where you'd use that type of thing. So um, great advantages if you've got, you know, 35% burns, but not so much if you're, you know, doing a heavy set of squats. You know, just look at the big picture. Each has its advantages. Whey protein concentrate uh, whey protein isn't just one type of protein. There's a bunch of different proteins in there, um, different globulins and things like this. Um, they bring with them actually health benefits. And it's actually part of what I'm doing, uh, you know, kind of researching at university is in our lab is looking at whether whey proteins, the proteins, the actual these functional proteins in whey protein can help you uh, stay healthy for longer. So one of the things that is interesting is that people who consume dairy proteins, uh, whether, you know, from, you know, dairy foods, they get less, they get lower rates of diabetes and cardiovascular disease and so on. So it's quite interesting. So 
whey protein concentrate has a lot of these proteins in their original form. I think that's overlooked quite a lot is the health benefits of, of whey protein because it's not just about building muscle or re recovering. It is got cardiovascular benefits and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, boosts your immune system as well. Absolutely. There's yeah. immunoglobulins in there and things like that. There's also um, amino acids in there that are precursors to... Um, very, very useful antioxidants in the body. Um, so getting a lot of these amino acids is very useful. So proteins are building blocks, you know, uh, they're, you know, the kind of, um, uh, the simplest form they you know, the kind of building blocks of what we use to make our body with, but they're also signals, you know, um, when you say signals, yeah. Yeah. So know. like, you know, these, these peptides and things like that, they're, they're signaling to the body, you know, the body's going, Oh, look at that. It's this, you know, and reacting and changing, in, in, and they're supporting health, cardiovascular health, immune health, that type I of see. thing. So, you know, I they're see. sending these beneficial signals to the body. So they send those signals and the body will react, you know, by yeah. dealing with a disease or dealing well, with... Well, you know, it upregulates its ability to, you know... Um, turnover um, kind of knackered tissues, you know, tissues that aren't working so well, or upregulating the uh, the amount of, you know, compounds X, Y, or Z that it produces, you know, that may be important in this. So um, it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of, um, it's a bit frontier stuff. You know, we don't quite know what's going on yet. And obviously that's why I've got the job I have is kind of to, part of it's to research this kind of thing, area in cardiometabolics. Absolutely, yeah. But it does seem that these you know, these globular proteins, these types of proteins found in whey are healthy and beneficial in many possibly unexpected ways. Concentrate has a lot of them. Isolate, mm, depends, not so much. You know, there's there, a lot of them are broken down by this filtration process. And then obviously in the, in the hydrolyzed um, proteins, where it's all snipped up, you know, these, um, these proteins have been snipped up, then, they, you know, they're, they're pretty much gone a lot of them. So, um, you know, so every whey protein has got its benefit. Um, I'd say for most people, if you're going to have a whey protein, just stick to the basics, you know, get a decent quality whey protein concentrate. That's good advice. And relieving for, for people who are overwhelmed by the amount of choice they have these days. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, in my time, I mean, I've written the ad copy for, for, um, uh, for sports supplements manufacturers. And obviously I'm not going to say stuff that isn't true, but, you know, the manufacturer always wants to push you to a kind of more, um, you know, bells and whistles type product. But, you know, often the bog standard is fine. And, you know, I've used the bog standard products in the high protein environment with athletes and, you know, they do very well on them. And again, it just goes back, have it consistently, you know. Absolutely. Well, Drew, thank you very much for coming and talking with us about protein, no all things protein, no amino acids, creatine, peptides. Um, we're all experts now, so thank <laughs> you very much for sharing that knowledge with us. And uh, I look forward to having you in again and talking about yeah, something else. To. Fantastic. Yeah. All the best. Cheers. Thanks again. Thanks again.